0: The Paranet Podcast, a Dresden Files book club. Welcome to the Paranet Podcast with your host, Patrick Lunn and Rob Davis. <laughs> I uh, When I edit these, every single time I notice that I end up laughing uh, when you yeah. say a name and I swear you find a different way to say it in every time. That's because
1: every time you laugh at it, I'm like, oh, I must be saying my name wrong or I'm pronouncing it in a weird way.
0: (laughs) So uh, this week on the Paranet podcast, uh, we're covering uh, chapters 7, 8 and 9 from uh, Stormfront, uh, as well as uh, a bit of news from the Dresden Files universe uh, with the new Nintendo Switch game coming out. Uh, and uh, a little review of Daniel Green's uh, video uh, before you read uh, Dresden Files. Um, so I guess, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into our, our first kind of section straight away and just dive in uh, with para-networking. Uh, and uh, Rob, do you want to give us a bit of a overview on Daniel Green's Dresden Files before you read?
1: Yeah, yeah. The um, It's annoying because I watched it just before we did this as well because I watched it when it came out the other day. Like I think it was released four days ago at the time of recording this. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's just kind of... <laughs> I mean, it is what it is, but kind of, you know, before you read, here's what you need to know going into it. And it's kind of an overview of yeah. the series and if you have any hesitations about going into it. I mean, especially with... And it, it, you talk to fans and stuff, and it it's always kind of, oh yeah, it gets good from book three onwards or something like that. So I feel if if mm-hmm. you're a new reader going into it, it's kind of like, yeah, the first two books aren't as good as the rest of the series, and you shouldn't judge it, quite solely on that. Um, and it, it's a nice little analysis of the series as well, um, especially with how. Yeah. And it, it made a really good point, which is <laughs> glaringly obvious and something I feel we should have mentioned maybe by now or we pr- we're probably something that comes up more as we get through the book. Um, mm. With everything being smaller scale, like you're focusing on the small cast of characters and it really helps you care about them as well before things go absolutely mental, Which, <laughs> which I thought was a really good summary. I was like, he's absolutely right. And I don't know why I haven't mentioned that yet in this, because it's one of those things where it's just so glaringly obvious.
0: Definitely. I, I think um, there's, a, there's a nice slight like, balance of kind of groundwork uh, and, and still good stories, but you, you, you kind of need, before you raise the stakes, you kind of need everything setting out and, 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 uh, I think, yeah, the first couple of books do that really, really well.
1: Definitely. Especially rereading them, you notice it a bit more.
0: So, would you recommend uh, Daniel Green's uh, video to fans of the series, or just people who are looking?
1: I'd say even if you're a fan of the series, and you're on your, like, 45th read-through this year, I'd still think it's good to check out. It's just interesting. I don't... Daniel Green, I just feel just does a lot of interesting videos on fantasy. It's always analysing like the story, the characters, uh, genre, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. There's a lot to take out of his videos anyway, so don't expect don't expect it to be like yeah, it's about a wizard. You'll like it. Go read it. It's just so much more than that, and it doesn't. There's no spoilers in it as well, so even if you're new uh, checking out the video and stuff, you're not going to get the series ruined for you
0: yeah definitely um i I found it a lot of fun uh to watch um i I think it's just if you're someone like me that's that read the book a couple of years back as well uh or read the books a couple of years back um it's just a nice little like refresher on what i guess why Dresden is so fun um and and what's so enjoyable uh, enjoyable about it yeah cool um So uh, moving on from there, uh, another kind of new way that you can get into the Dresden Files uh, is that it is coming uh, to the Nintendo Switch. Uh, Nintendo Switch being kind of one of the the kind of big consoles at the moment, uh, especially with everything going on in the world. um, It's a great opportunity to get uh, gaming. Uh, So as of this recording, uh, as of yesterday, uh, the Dresden Files Cooperative, Uh, card game has landed on the Switch. Um, It's been around uh, for quite a while, first in kind of a physical release, and then they did a release for uh, iPhone and Android uh, a little while back. Um, And what this game does is it it essentially allows you to play as Dresden and his allies, um, solving the cases uh, from the books. Um, And it's quite quite thematic um, in the way that you have to kind of deal with... um, each case has its own uh challenges and events that you will then have to deal with uh in game um me and rob have played this game before in fact i think we both uh own copies of it uh and i know that rob uh, has recently been playing quite a bit of it on the uh uh android i think yeah Hi, yeah
1: android yeah that's the one um yeah i prefer have playing in, uh, in the physical edition just because it's just more fun playing with people. I mean, I think when we played it, I think we had like five or six players, but only you and I had read Dresden. So everyone else yeah. is just kind of sat there being like, okay, what, why? And we're like, oh man, that's this from this. It's so cool. And everyone else is just, nah, nerds. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I've been playing the... Uh, Android game for, I mean, I've had it for about two years, I think, but I've only started playing it Mm -hmm. properly about two weeks ago, and oh my Christ, I'm on the easiest difficulty and I've only beaten like, um, Grave Peril once. It's so difficult, man.
0: Have you played uh, Stormfront at all?
1: Yeah, I've, I've been through, I think all of them except Ghost Story. And skin game. Oh, wow. and okay. One in between that cold days, just because I'm like so ha- one. Yeah, sorry.
0: No, I, I was just going to ask: Do you have to pay for the new scenarios, or is it just um, uh, you I get everything? Just, I'm trying to remember what the base game is because I bought the
1: expansions that were available at the time. I think the expansions like either one ninety nine or two ninety nine each. Um. Okay. Yeah, I, I can't remember what the base game covers, to be honest off the top of my
0: noodle. <laughs> um, I think the Nintendo one might be releasing with everything by the looks of it. That would make sense. Some- um, I one of the uh, one of the other things that uh, they they pick out on uh, Jim Butcher's website about it is that you can play stuff like Stormfront, uh, at, like all the novels essentially, but with different allies of Dresden. So. Um, if you want to say, oh, what if um, Michael Carpenter had been around in Stormfront, um, you can you can play that through and see what that that would have looked like, uh, which I think is a lot of fun.
1: It's it's definitely adds to it. I think one of the rules is that Dresden has to be like someone has to play as Dresden, but then you've got like. All yeah. the other allies to choose from as well. So, like you say, you can have you can play through Stormfront with Dresden, Michael Carpenter, and, I don't know, Ramirez or something like that. And they've mm-hmm. all got their own like unique abilities and stuff, which Jeff, which just adds to it. And kind of going back to me saying it's difficult. I'm playing it on the easiest difficulty, and I can't tell if the game is just ridiculously hard or if I'm just really bad at it. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: But I guess at least that means it's gonna be uh, you're gonna get some last ability out of it.
1: Yeah, that's that's you very true. I mean I think all the times I'm not playing it I, I play through a few games and then I kind of rage quit because I'm like, I'm not I'm I've had enough of this, I'm just
0: Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow Do you have up. a favourite um Dresden ally to throw in there?
1: Yes, I think I think my lineup that's been kind of permanent the last couple of rounds have been, I mean, obviously Harry, um, Molly Carpenter mm-hmm. and Sanya.
0: Oh, okay. Cool.
1: I can't remember their abilities off the top of my head, but... No worries. Then... <laughs> uh, but that, that's,
0: uh, that's a fun group.
1: It is. Very much
0: so. <laughs> awesome, yeah. Uh, also, if uh, you want some more kind of uh, Dresden... Fun. Uh, there's uh new desktop, uh, and tablet backgrounds that you can find Jim Butcher's website for Peace Talks and Battlegrounds, uh, with the date, uh, nice and uh, uh, present on it. Uh, and there is a good read along that's going on throughout the current isolation, uh, for Small Favor, uh, which is a, a great, um, one of the great dresden books uh if you're up to there in the series uh or even if you're not i'm sure uh they'll be kind of keeping you uh in the loop with everything you'll need to know um and yeah that's that's kind of everything uh everything uh in the para networking section so let's uh let's dive into the book club yeah. um, so last time uh last time in stormfront um <laughs> we covered chapters four to six um which it was quite like uh quite a meaty section of book really um so we kicked off uh with um harry uh, uh we kicked off with harry um having his interview with monica no last name uh we got a bit of a feel for kind of how uh, those on the fringe of the Magical Society see uh, Dresden, the White Council, uh, and a lot of the scepticism that they kind of have for them. Um, then we moved on to chapter five, uh, where Dresden went to uh, McAnally's, uh, met up with Susan Rodriguez, um, had a, a fun bit of banter there and got a date uh, with her um, in return for definitely not giving any information on the case. And, um, we, we got a little bit about Mac and uh, why the pub is such a key kind of section of the Dresden universe. Uh, and then we moved on to uh, chapter six, uh, which was the uh, lakeside house of Victor Sells, uh, where Harry did a little bit of investigating and then summoned Toot Toot, uh, a fairy, uh, to help him kind of track down Uh, a little more information on what was going on. He found out that there was some pizza that was ordered to the house. Um, And right at the end of the chapter, uh, we ended on uh, Morgan coming out of the bushes of the house, uh, producing a long silver blade uh, and putting it to Harry Dresden's throat, uh, essentially uh, suggesting that he... uh, is un, uh, would uh, be put to death uh, any minute, which, you know, is a fun way to end the chapter. Um, and then we continue into Chapter 7. And Rob, do you want to give us a quick overview? Yeah, so
1: the overview for Chapter 7, 8, and 9, obviously we'll do that in chronological order. Um, chapter 7 kicks off with where we left off. We're introduced to Morgan, who is a warden of the White Council. Uh, this is simplified by... Um, you know his his kind of attire, his robe, and the is it a silver sword or is it just you regular steel?
0: Uh it's it's definitely a magical sword.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm trying to remember.
0: I don't think maybe maybe it isn't. I I just imagine it's like a glowing silver sword, but maybe yeah, that's that's me putting that onto it. Yeah, that's kind of what I
1: have in my head as well. But anyway, um. <laughs> we to the whole I mean it kind of brings us back to the whole uh, White Council introduction and I think for a good while this is our only kind of view of the White Council uh, is through you know Harry, Harry expressing his distrust and then having Morgan there as a presence and emissary I guess um, mm-hmm. we have both of them discuss the case which you know, Mor- Morgan's very much pointing fingers at Harry who he thinks is the killer Um and the yeah. kind of background on that is we know that Harry has, you know, had to use magic to kill once before breaking the first law of magic, um, mm-hmm. and we'll get more into that as we go. Um, yeah, and it's just kind of, I know, I I love it because it's just that typical kind of underdog against the like authority scene, and mm-hmm. even the the underdog can always find somewhere soft. Um, I like that line, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, you can't get the back and forth between two. Harry punches Morgan, <laughs> and yeah, you get Morgan again being like, I can't remember if at this point Morgan's kind of put the sword away, which is kind kind of shown that he's yeah. outside of warden hours. He's kind of just doing it because he has nothing to better to do, it seems,
0: but um. So yeah. it's quite funny that uh, if he's got the sword out, he is a warden of the White Council and cannot be hit. In the same way as like you can't punch a hit policeman. Yeah. Uh, but as soon as he puts the sword away, then he is no longer acting as a warden of the White Council and Harry can immediately just slap him across the chops.
1: And that's something that I really like, because Harry punches him and he's like, oh, you dare touch me? And then... <laughs> As they have, like, you know, the little bicker bickering continues between them. And then Harry's like, yeah, catch you later, jackass. And tries to, like, you know, walk away from him. And it, just the description of Morgan, like, moving at blinding speed and punching him back. Like, really, yeah. really hard. Just, I don't know, it gives, again, kind of a hint at more experienced wizards, I guess. Definitely,
0: definitely. Yeah. Um. Uh. So yeah. yeah. So we move on to uh, chapter eight.
1: Yeah, chapter eight. We're introduced to Harry's apartment. Um, I. It gives us the kind of rundown of that. We're introduced to the apartment itself. The, how it's just overflowing with books. I mean, to me, it sounds like a dream. It's got like the overflowing library. <laughs> I guess. Um. We're also introduced to Mister. The. Is it thirty pounds of cat?
0: That sounds about right.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I've named one of my cats, Mr. After Mr. Miss my Mr. Is not 30 pounds, nowhere even close to it. But I, I had a look at this because he, Mr. Is described as being, you know, almost the same size or larger than some dogs. And yes. we, we have a really large cat named Catsby and we have a Yorkshire Terrier dog. Um, and I think they weigh almost the same weight, which is about 7 kilograms, and I don't know about you, but I'm not familiar with pounds at all so I had a quick look at this (laughs) and it turns out that 30 pounds equals 12 kilograms, and I was like, holy shit that's a big ass cat yeah (laughs) just wanted to include that in there because it blew my mind this morning um (laughs) But uh, yeah, th-
0: th- so that two Catsby's.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Bloody hell! Yeah, so, two two Catsby's and that's maybe a, a sludge. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a lot of cats. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're introduced to Mister as well. Um, and then we're introduced to Bob the Skull who yeah. is a spirit that resides in a skull and not actually a skull called Bob. Um, So yeah, this is the first time we're introduced to Bob, who is present in all books, I think.
0: Uh Yes, yeah.
1: Yeah, and he's kind of like the bank of knowledge, Harry's source of wisdom and magical news,
0: I guess. Um, and I see I kind of, him very much as kind of like a magical Google.
1: Yeah, that's probably a really that's a really good way of describing it. Um, <laughs> yes, we're introduced to Bob the Magical Google for the first time, uh, who agrees to help Harry Harry with an escape potion. And this is, you know, we'll get into it as we go into the chapters. Sorry, the in-depth discussion. I mean, um, the escape yeah, potion for Harry. If he gets in a tight spot, it just means he can zap out of it. No, no fuss, no muss. Um, in return, Bob wants a love potion. And for context, here Bob is obsessed with sex, and
0: also he, like Google
1: and the internet. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that that also makes sense. And he claims to be an academic of the arts. So take from that what you will. Um, and then finally in the chapter we get a, another uh, interaction with Murphy, which explains, mm-hmm. you know. The heat's being turned up on her. She's got her peers looking down. Well, wow. looking down, her, breathing down her neck. Is that an expression? Yeah,
0: I, yeah. I, it's it's the proper like uh, the the uh, the commissioner is chewing my ass on this one, Dresden. So you got to get this done,
1: kind yeah, of thing. Exactly that. <laughs> and that goes into <laughs> chapter nine. Um. Yeah. visit Bianca last name. I can't remember um yeah with this really good one. no like i can't remember i think maybe that's mentioned in another in a, one of the other books that she pops up in but um yeah yeah he goes to visit bianga who is a red court vampire and is also i think the first time at this point we're properly properly introduced to the red court um yeah yeah and, yeah, to, just to be clarified, he goes in without any weapons because, you know, he's on, it, it's an unsteady relationship, the magical world, especially the wizards and red court. It's kind of a, I, don't know, I can't remember if it comes under the whole records thing yet or not, but um, they're on somewhat good-ish terms, but not, not bad terms, not quite good-ish terms, they're on terms, I guess. um yeah
0: i think that's probably the best yeah
1: yeah it's a uneasy relationship but it's kind of i don't know how to describe it but i'll just move forward there's
0: almost like a, a mutual respect that each could kind of really fuck with the other
1: yeah that's probably the best way of going about it um yeah uh Dresden gets searched. So they they confiscate you know, his knife and his staff. Um, and then we have the whole, not confrontation as such, but yeah, Harry's there because one of the, I say one of the the girl from the murder whose heart exploded out of her chest is one of, your know, works for Bianca.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I, I think at the mention of you know, Harry saying, "Oh, I'm here to question you about." Whatever the girl was called, um, Bianca goes fucking ape shit, <laughs> and yeah, pins pin, pins him down and starts transforming into a little vampire form, which I always like because I don't know about you, but the way it's described, I always just picture man bat.
0: I can see that. Um, I I've got a, a quote that I was gonna uh I'll, I'll throw out when we get to the discussion of the yeah. transformation, but. It's pretty. Uh, it is pretty graphic. Um, and yeah, I can. I can definitely get a Mambat feel,
1: because I get like kind kind of a combination of like man squeezing into. Oh wait, a better description. Have you ever seen Van Helsing with Hugh Jackman? Yeah, you know, like the werewolf transformation in that, where like they kind of like tear the skin off as if it's like a suit and the werewolf's underneath.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I...
1: I picture that's kind of what I imagined, but with more of a bat-like thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Harry mentions that he's investigating the murder and he's trying to find out who did it, not you know, to blame her or anything like that, which kind of eases the situation. She reverts back into her human womany form, mm-hmm. and yeah, that kind of uh sums up the chapter
0: yeah cool so how'd you find it
1: I really enjoyed it because again I think reading it for the first t- this is my first time reading it in prose Um, mm-hmm. I've mentioned before that the first two novels I've only read the graphic novel adaptation and I think when I yep. first tried reading Stormfront I think this is around the sort of area I got to before putting it down. Um, okay. And the graphic novel is very much kind of, you know how it is. It's, it's it's kind of abridged. I don't remember there being the scene with Bob yet in the graphic novel. I just remember he goes from the, um, the whole confrontation with Morgan to going to Bianca, and there's very little um, interaction before she goes bumps out on him and all that kind of stuff. From what I remember. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they definitely do abridge quite a bit of it. Um, I think it might even just be like, yeah, I stopped by the house and made a potion.
1: Yeah, it was very much a kind of throwaway kind of panel. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, how did you find uh, so, it? Um, I have you, is this your first time rereading the series?
0: Uh, first time rereading. Uh, so when I first read this would have been... Six or seven years ago now yeah um, so a, a lot of this is um, uh, it feels like it almost feels like reading it for the first time um, what I'm finding is that going back to this having read so much more of the series there's just there's so much more that I'm getting out of like there's the just little like um, seeds I guess that get planted here that pay off later which we, we've talked about before yeah um, but I, I found this. Um, to be honest, I found this the 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 first kind of bit where the book picked up pace a little for me. Yeah. Um, so like the confrontation with Morgan, um, I found because it, it was it was quite tense. Um, I get more of a feeling like Dresden's on the back foot when Morgan's around, um, and. That's that. Uh, it, it's kind of good to kind of see him like in that that kind of powerless feel. Uh, Morgan and Dresden are like they're, they're they're quite an interesting like two sides of the same coin. Uh, in that, Morgan is the the kind of lawful good, if you want to go to like that kind of D and D morality uh, yeah. version of a wizard, and Dresden is very much the chaotic good. I suppose, um, and it's really fun because they—they they are both good guys, um, but they just completely rub each other the wrong way, no matter what. Um, and and that'll come up uh, again and again in later books. Like Harry definitely has respect for Morgan, and and I think on some level, especially uh, in later books, Morgan does gain a respect for Harry. But it's—they um, can never be in the same room together. Yeah.
1: I'm trying to think of who um, to compare them to.
0: Yeah, it's it's a bit of a strange one, really. I um, mean, like,
1: off the top of my head, this is probably because I'm re-watching it, but uh, Life on Mars, Gene Hunt and Sam Tyler. How like I see they, that. They, they get along. They're Getting along together, they do their job, they get the work done. But they still have moments where they just butt heads and there's certain scenes where Gene Hunt will do something like you know pin pin the blame on some other victim or, pin them, or get them like sentenced with another crime and you've got Sam being yeah. like that's not the crime you know he committed and Gene Hunt's like the public don't care as long as the guy goes down the job is done yeah and then they have a punch up because of it or whatever but it reminds <laughs> me of that kind of relation not not exactly the same. They definitely, uh, there's more conflict between them, especially with how, especially with just how they are. I mean, you've got Morgan being like a hundred years plus on Dresden. Mm. Mm-hmm. And he's very, he's very loyal to the council. Like the council could tell him to jump off a bridge. And he'd probably do it. Whereas. Yeah. Harry's very much of the, if they, if, the council tell him to jump a bridge, he'll turn around and say, nah, you first. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I think uh, two other kind of um, examples of, of similar characters. Uh, get a bit of a, a Jean Valjean and Javier from Le Mis. That's
1: probably a better yeah. comparison.
0: Feeling where like uh, Morgan is like, as soon as you cross the line and kill someone with magic, you are now a criminal, and no matter what you do, you will always still be a criminal. You might have moments where you do something good, but you can never be redeemed. That that yeah. black is still on your kind of name. Um, and then uh, the other the other uh, comparison I was thinking of a little bit was uh, Captain America and Iron Man. Yeah, um, where you've got kind of. Uh, Morgan is is quite idealistic to the ideals of the uh, the wardens and and would never really break away from that. Um, whereas Dresden's kind of more uh, free spirited, I guess is the best way to put it. Like like Iron Man. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I, and they they do make a good like kind of buddy. Uh, I was going to say a buddy cop, but that's not really right. Uh, not like allies, but not friends, I guess. Uh, frenemies. Yeah. If you want. Yeah. Um, the, the introduction of Dresden's house. I mean, um, it always just makes me think of, of uh, your, your place. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you've got the cats. uh uh, all the books um uh, just very very similar um but it, it's kind of for for kind of geeky uh dudes uh it sounds like the ultimate place to be yeah. um uh i also love the kind of uh explanation of how he deals without um electricity um and kind of it's very obvious that Jim Butcher's thought about how to live in a modern setting without the use of electricity because electricity is interfered uh, with by magic. Um, so I, I thought that that was really cool. He talks about like how he's got a, a wood burning stove and how he's had to build like a ventilation system and stuff, um, which is really cool. Uh, Bob's school is, is a lot of fun. Um he, he, throughout the entire series is uh always a really good ally of uh harry's because he it i mean it is a master servant relationship um bob is uh whoever owns bob's skull owns bob and uh bob becomes an, uh, like an extension of them um but they they still find a really good way to have kind of some playful banter um and i get the feeling that bob he's very much, uh, he's always trying to push Harry and, um, make him go just a bit further with his abilities and his power. And, um, it makes it, a, he's a really good asset to Harry, uh, in like an academic, uh, sense. Mm. Um, he's like a good teacher and friend, uh, which I, I think is great. Um, and he's just like a great example of, um, some of the best like lecturers and teachers that I've gone with, um, I felt like I've had a similar relationship that Harry's had with Bob uh, yeah. where it's like a friendship and it's like oh you 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 could just go a little bit further um and then uh chapter 9 um yeah it, 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 the really cool thing here is that um Bianca and the red court will be a recurring big thing throughout uh several of the Uh, dresden file books and there's a lot of groundwork done here um and i love that i mean harry's never seen a vampire uh at this point um Mm. not in its true form uh and so we get like the start of that uh the start of his relationship with uh bianca which is um fraught to say the least uh does yeah, uh, and and some of the, the, the kind of theories that he has going into his confrontation with her. Um like uh he realizes that her her saliva is a, a narcotic. Mm. Um and one other th- one other thing I really liked and and I'm not sure if this is something that I just haven't noticed in later books and maybe it will be a running theme but one of my favorite kind of recurring things in Stormfront is Harry Dresden talking to normal people. Um yeah. there's a great there's a great sequence with him talking to the security guard. Yeah. Um yeah. and when the security guard does like a, a search of him and stuff and finds like a lot of his wizard stuff and like again is kind of there's like a, a bit of like he's making fun of him uh and Harry at the same time is like, Oh, if you really if you knew what what <laughs> I uh, I could do kind of thing. Um And I think I think that's really fun. Uh, It's just a, it's kind of a running joke, I guess. Um, But uh, it's something that um, I, yeah, I definitely enjoy in the early books. Um,
1: I think it's phased out ever, like in a really clever way, throughout. Because I think, I think the White Court and all the and the the Red Court, most of their security guards and stuff are always just regular, like dudes. I don't know if it's a case of them knowing what their employers are or if they're just there as a contractor getting paid or what, but I feel later down the line as Chicago gets weirder and weirder, it's just kind of more accepted. It's yeah. Like, I like, think I, more I people...
0: Because
1: uh, like, I remember drag- um, uh, I can't remember. It might have been Ghost Story where he's talking to like, one of like the i say youths ever so lightly like someone that's he's talking to someone probably around our sort of age and mm-hmm. i don't know if there's a comment to it but he's the fact that this guy's talking to a ghost doesn't really phase him
0: yeah I, I, I think don't. the
1: only thing that he, that kind of really gets to him is when he finds out the ghost he's talking to is harry dresden and he's like what the harry dresden
0: he definitely uh becomes more of a legend later on
1: yeah
0: uh or like an urban myth at least um yeah definitely uh, i i completely agree um so i'm just uh pulling up on notes um so uh, morgan uh we, we've pretty much covered morgan um I don't think there's much more to say about him, really, no, at not, this point. No,
1: at this point, yeah.
0: Um, I, I, I guess like he, like we said, he's, he's the presence of the White Council, so it's really cool to kind of have that heat, uh, personified um, as something that's going to go after Dresden if he fucks up. Um, Dresden's apartment, um. So, one of the things I was going to I wanted to ask was, uh, why do you think Butcher didn't show this earlier in the book?"
1: I know, I feel at this point as well, there's not really been any need to show the apartment because I think the, the book's already established on the blurb and and everything like that. It's established that Harry is a you know private investigator slash wizard. And I think the mm-hmm. opening scene with him being at the office makes perfect sense for him being a PI. So we didn't really need his apartment to become into it until maybe Bob the Skull being a thing. Like, there's no. There's, y- you think of like noir films and stuff, they're rarely at their own apartment. It's. They're in their office, they're investigating, and then back to the office. Yeah. You haven't had that real need, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I guess uh, it it kind of doubles as his like research space. So I suppose it was only once he needed to research something that it would that he it came into the plot. Yeah. Um, We do also get our first uh, can of Coke.
1: Yeah, which he shares with Mister.
0: I don't know how I feel about that.
1: (laughs) He (laughs) claims that Mister's addicted to it, which. But I mean, whatever. I have yet to I'm give one. Of my to find, story,
0: but <laughs> I'm trying to find the uh the the line where he talks about it. Um. So a running joke that that we have that you you probably have is that we end each episode talking about uh cracking open a can of Coke. Um, it, it's fully because uh Jim Butcher loves Coca Cola. <laughs> Um. Yeah, like, I don't know really where to start with this one, Rob. Do you want to... <laughs> no, because, like, I feel, I, I don't
1: know, I feel at this point, if I was reading it for the first time, I wouldn't have thought anything of it. But there's definitely a point in the series, maybe around, I don't know, books seven and eight, <clears throat> mm. where, like, I swear to Christ, like, Coke is mentioned, like, maybe eight times across two pages. Where he's like, oh I sat down on the couch, you know, opened myself a can of coke, realized it was the last can of coke in my packet of Coke, and realized that maybe later on I'll have to get some more Coke. <laughs> and I, I know there there was just a point in the series where I realized that Coke was being talked about a lot.
0: <laughs> I I definitely remember you calling me and just being like, Does does Jim Butcher have like a uh, an endorsement deal or something I'm yeah like, what? I mean, and you were like with coca cola <laughs> if if he doesn't as soon as, you said that, as soon as you said that i just started noticing it all, all the time um, Yeah. so there's uh, a point that that you're coming up to Rob, actually in the books where harry like reunites with some of his older allies for the first time uh, in a in a in a long time yeah. And he's like, yeah, I, I see them all and I, and I stifle back a tear. And then I go to the fridge and I open a ice-cold can of Coke. And I was just like, oh, God. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, um, I mean, it, it's all fine and dandy. I just found it bizarre when I picked
0: up on it like, a couple of books later. <laughs> it's it's so weird. I can't I cannot find it now. Uh the bit where he's like uh, I get the last one out and share it with Mr. Um But yeah, it's it's just uh it's a fun thing to watch out for. Uh yeah. that's Coke Watch uh with uh <laughs> Robin Pat. Um cool, yeah. Uh so the next point uh we wanted to talk about was uh Bob the Skull. Um and is this does it does it give Dresden too much power?
1: I would say no, because I mean like you say, Bob being the extension of you know, he kind of becomes the extension of the owner that he's with. Mm. Um I think that kind of balances Bob out a bit, especially I mean, where I'm at now, it shows. You get a bit more. You've had a bit more background on Bob. You know more of his history, and I, I feel, I know it is, it's cleverly done because it feels like Bob should be like a force of power in his own, and could probably, rid himself of Dresden if need be. So the whole, him becoming, an extension of his owner's personality is really a really good idea. Um. But I feel kind kind of with what we were saying, I feel we've mentioned it in a previous episode, where with it being first person, you've got a lot of, you know, Harry's in the force and all that kind of thing. And I feel in terms of pushing the story along and giving that exposition as well, it's it's just a bit more of a springboard for Harry, I guess, as well. Yeah. But you've got him having to re- recreate this whole death curse and sh- stuff like that and if having bob's assistance kind of run I, I guess gives us more detail on the process the dangers of it and all that kind of stuff
0: i think it's definitely um, it's it's a really fun idea from uh, like a writer's perspective to turn a research a research section into uh, a dialogue instead of just him sat there staring at a book
1: yeah definitely
0: um and it, it's kind of like uh so later on uh, so the next book full moon when he when he finds out about uh, like werewolves um harry starts like he asks the questions that you'd you'd want to ask someone who knew about werewolves um instead of it just being like i sat down at a table and mm-hmm. i read about uh, Loop garous, and then I read about uh, this type of werewolf, and then I read about this type of werewolf, uh, and mm-hmm. this is what they can do. And just like reading off fact by fact, um, so I think I think yeah, it's a good way to kind of uh, give us that information in like a, a fun form. Yeah. Um, I I I just I I love Bob. Um, he's just a he's a great addition to the story, and um. It like as he becomes kind of more complex as well uh he gets even more interesting absolutely I you you've had a little bit of that,
1: yeah, I mean um i think
0: uh
1: I think dead I think it's touched upon book seven
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then like it's kind of downplayed again until ghost story where I'm at now, where Bob plays quite a key role in it, and you see with Harry being a spirit at that point you kind of see like Bob's form out of the skull yeah and i i know i know we're not touching upon it yet really but i just love the description of it where harry's being like he's in a bit of a confrontation with um a group of shades ghosts or whatever and yeah. then like this creature like appears completely composed of bright yellow light like completely tears apart the other ghosts and looks like they're taking pleasure in it and at this point I was like I I, I was kind of guessing Bob but I wasn't certain and then like it mm-hmm. turns around and it's like oh Harry he's like Bob <laughs> I just really I know I, I loved it and I know I feel Bob also with his weird kind of addiction to porn and stuff like that kind of provides a bit more comic relief as well.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Um I've got a a good quote for when Bob gets introduced. Yeah. Um that I'll uh, I'll lay down. <clears throat> Bob the skull grumbled something in old French, I think. Though I got lost when he got to the anatop- anatopical improbabilities of bullfrogs. He yawned and his bony teeth rattled when his mouth clicked closed again. Bob wasn't really a human skull. He was a spirit of air, sort of like a fairy, but different. He made his residence inside the skull that had been prepared for him several hundred years ago, and it was his job to remember things. For obvious reasons, I can't use a computer to store information and keep track of the slowly changing laws of quasi-physics. That's why I had Bob. He had worked with dozens of wizards over the years, and it had given him a vast repertoire of knowledge that, and I really, uh, and a really cocky attitude. Blasted wizards, he mumbled. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's the perfect summary of him, really. Yeah. Um, and it, it definitely comes clear later on that uh, Bob is um, is is a power like powerful in Dresden's hands, but if Dresden was to ever lose him um it would be like the biggest blow to Dresden. Hmm. Uh okay, so uh we'll move on to uh Bianca and uh the red court and kind of how vampires are doing the Dresden verse. Um so so kind of what's your thoughts on uh the way that they they handle vampires? Um butcher handling vampires. I dug
1: it because at this point we've had no mention of any of the other types of vampire. We've just had the Red Court. And mm-hmm. like I say, going into it with the graphic novel especially, it was you you're getting the visual as well. And it just enhances that kind of danger, that sense of danger, like how much of a threat they can be. I mean they it's established here with the whole saliva thing and with them being vampires. If you've got like any kind of knowledge of vampires from any other medium, you know they're gonna be a threat anyway. But this just shows them more as a... I know it kind of reinforces that force of nature kind of appeal of them. Mm. Um, And again, this is kind of touching more upon their relationship. In, In the book, it's definitely more... more of a working relationship, like you being forced to partner up in a group project with someone you don't like like you you're kind of doing it out of courtesy, I guess or professionalism, but you it's clear that there's a lot of friction between the two, whereas in the graphic novel i I always took it as i know like they they felt they, they just felt more associated to me, like it felt like a few steps below maybe his relationship with Murphy, which is okay. and which is why like in. In late in the in the third book, when everything goes a fucking mental, I was really kind. I found it more of a twist as opposed to I saw it coming, and I don't know if that's me mm-hmm. being my evil looking back at it in a really weird way.
0: <laughs> but um, definitely, I think um, the it also gives the feeling that like I, with the fairies, for instance, uh. It, they're in a very similar place with Dresden. um, And it's cool to see, like, sometimes he has to work with, like, weird, magical kind of monsters. uh, And um, when one of those relationships goes bad, like we say in the third book, um, it shows that kind of, that could have happened with any of them. Yeah. Um, I also... Uh, I'm just gonna give uh Jim butcher's description of when Bianca turns oh, uh, and I think that this is one of the like um the great bits of kind of horror and gore in the series uh so if that's not your thing, just like skip ahead like uh thirty seconds. I had never seen a real vampire before I would have been uh, i would have time to be terrified later. I took in the details as I took my talisman off over my neck. It had a bat-like face, horrid and ugly, the head too big for its body, gaping hungry jaws. Its shoulders were hunched and powerful, membranous, membranous wings stretched between the joints of its almost skeletal arms. Flabby black breasts hung before it, spilling out of the black dress that no longer looked feminine. Its eyes were wide, black and staring, and a kind of leathery, slimy hide covered its flesh like an inner tube lathered with Vaseline. Though there were tiny holes corroded in it by the sunlight I had brought with me. And that is... Oof. (laughs) Uh, not fun, not a fun time at all. Um, and something I, I, I love about this is that earlier in the chapter, when Bianca is described, uh, she's described as uh, he does he, he describes as being very um, beautiful, and uh, it, it, she is essentially um, a kind of pimp, I guess. Yeah, that's how I always take it. Um, and So she's this, like, madam of, like, a a high-class brothel. Uh, There's a great, like, throwaway thing as well that this was previously owned by Al Capone. Um, And, yeah, uh, so she has this very, like, feminine, like, sexual vibe. uh, And then she switches, and it goes from, oh, she's, like, beautiful to, oh, my God, she is a monster. Uh, and that great juxtaposition um, is just like, <sighs> Jesus. Uh, and then the rest uh, the rest of the chapter kind of, uh, as Harry's trying to deal with her, um, it, he compares her to dealing with like a wolf or a shark where you can't really show weakness. Yeah. Um, and again, it shows like another aspect to, it is a working relationship, but it's a working relationship with a monster. Yep. Um yeah. Uh I think you found some like art as well. Yeah, I've tried
1: to find an image from the graphic novel, but I could only find one at the moment, so I've sent that over to you.
0: Uh is that quite easy to find?
1: Um I guess. I just typed in <laughs> what did I search? I searched uh Dresden Files Red Court Vampire on images.
0: I definitely uh give that a search if you want uh, a bit of a feel for what what they look like then um might try and we'll try and link to that in our in our description along with all the uh all the usual stuff um yeah uh that's i think that's that's pretty much it out of these chapters um is there anything else that you want to you want to add Rob?
1: um not really, because again, it's still, I guess, introducing different parts of the universe, isn't it? Mm. So I I feel like, especially for this book, I think we've got all the setup kind of bits out of the way. So going forward, there should be more to kind of sink our teeth into.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, we're at chapter nine now. Uh, the book, uh, is uh. 27 chapters uh so uh if you're reading along with us uh we are uh is that that's a third through um so uh, we're getting along at a, a nice steady pace uh, another six episodes and we'll have our first uh, first dresden book uh done and out of the way um which is is awesome. Yeah, Uh, we're really cracking along. Uh, So yeah, uh, three chapters, a session, I think seems to be working pretty well for kind of our sort of length. Um, And it's a good amount to read in a week. Uh, You can get it done in like an hour or two. Um, So so next uh, episode, we'll be covering uh, chapters 10, 11, and 12. Um, uh, Yeah, Uh, I think that's, that's pretty much it. Do you want to take us out, Rob?
1: Yeah, uh, you've been listening to the Paranet podcast with myself, Rob Davis, and Patrick Lung. Thank you for listening. Next week, we'll be covering chapters 10, 11, and 12. So grab your book, crack open a can of Coke, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye bye.